0: Keeping you informed and inspired.
1: We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him.
2: Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's
3: serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic
4: Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God, it's good to be with you on this Monday, November 27th, 2023. The Feast of the Miraculous Medal. Yes, the Feast of the Miraculous Medal. We're going to talk about the Miraculous Medal, but of course, you can't talk about the Miraculous Medal without talking about St. Catherine Laboure, whose feast day is a different day. But we'll talk about her nonetheless. St. Catherine Laboure, whose body is still, to this day, miraculously incorrupt. She was a sister with the Daughters of Charity in France, and with the Blessed Mother, appeared to her... And told her to have a medal made, which is now referred to as the miraculous medal. Now, her story began when an angel in the form of a little boy led Sister Catherine to where Our Lady would appear. Sister Catherine said that the moment she saw Our Lady, she rushed forward and knelt before her. Said it was the sweetest moment of her life. Our Lady Lady told her, quote, My daughter... The good God wants to give you a mission. You will suffer much, but you will overcome those sufferings by considering that you will do so for the glory of God. You will be contradicted, but you will receive grace. Do not fear. End quote. Now, those words of Our Lady, who appeared as the Immaculate Conception to Sister Catherine, is also very similar to what you would think. We think Our Lady comes and she appears and she says the same things over and over again. And you can actually compare that to what Our Lady said at Fatima, where she told the shepherd children that they would suffer much, but that God's grace would be with them. So then Our Lady told sister Catherine of the revolution that would come upon France and how the throne would be overthrown and the whole world would be disturbed with evils, but the graces would be given to those who asked for them. And as I mentioned before, our lady predicted that the cross would be despised. Now she also said that the cross would be despised and that the streets would flow with blood. Would flow with blood. Now, this would have been absolutely mind boggling to Sister Catherine, but you see the fulfillment of it with the French Revolution, where Catholics, especially religious sisters and priests, were slaughtered in mass. In fact, many people never want to admit this, but the first uh, documented case of a genocide was against the French Vendee, the Vendee Catholics, from the French revolutionaries. While Sister Catherine told all of us to her confessor, Her confessor was very skeptical, to say the least. Uh, But one week later, the prophecy began to be fulfilled when King Charles X was dethroned in the liberal and anti-clerical revolution of 1830 took place. Then four months later, Our Lady appeared again to Sister Catherine, and she held a sphere of gold, which she said represented the whole world, particularly France. And the rings on her finger were covered with stones that rays of light And each one more beautiful than the other. She said the rays of light are the graces that she showers on those who request them. But some of the stones did not emit light. And when asked why, she said it was because those are the graces that men forget to ask for. And then suddenly an oval frame formed around Our Lady with the words, O Mary, concede without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. And a voice said, have a medal struck upon this model. Everyone who wears it when it is blessed will receive great graces, especially if they wear it around their neck. The graces will be abundant for those who wear it with confidence and so the miraculous medal was born now there I could share with you dozens of stories of miracles, and I have done that in preview I have a video out that I maybe I'll send that in my in our in our email list this week, but there are tons of stories miracles, healings. Miraculous stories and which got the name Miraculous Medal from the amount of miracles that happened. But what should we ask for from Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal on this, the Feast of the Miraculous Medal? Well, let's ask Our Lady to give us the grace that people are not asking for. To give us those graces that Our Lady desires to give to the world, but nobody requests them. Let's ask for that grace today. O Mary, concede without sin. Pray Pray for for us us who have recourse to to thee. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Hey, good morning, Adrian. It's good
5: to be right here in the studio, unlike (laughs) the previous day, right before the uh, Thanksgiving break, where I was not able to join the the studio team here because of a closure here on uh, I-5. But wow, the uh, miraculous medal. You know, Our Lady... She is such a good mother, a good mother. You know, she dotes on her children and she gives us so many wonderful tools, like so many wonderful gifts, like the Miraculous Medal. I'm so excited to hear more about it.
4: Yeah, praise be to God. It was a, it's a very beautiful devotion and something that people should wear more often. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that's uh, quite lost in our days. So, oh, here's a fun fact that many people are unaware of. The Miraculous Medal actually has an enrollment That is uh, very similar to that of the brown scapular. Hmm. Uh, Most people are unaware of that. So if you've never been enrolled in the Miraculous Medal, think about doing that. I'll send that out on our email list on all that information about the Miraculous Medal in our email list this week. So you're going to want to sign up for that. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt, and I'll give you exclusive info about how to enroll in the Miraculous Medal. Now, Rudy, what did you do? Did you do anything interesting for Thanksgiving? Uh, yes,
5: I went out and uh went paddling the day right after, mm, so I had to nice. work off all the the turkey and stuff that we made. You know, I had a funny moment. I was uh I was helping uh, my wife prepare the meal the day the day of. We were, you know, doing our meal prep, and I thought to myself, "Wow, you know, like we're both in the kitchen right now, the girls are kind of restless. Is this even worth it?" And I was starting to think, like, "Man, this is this is absurd. Why are we doing this?" And then we finally sat down at the end of the day. We had the meal, and it was just so amazing. So many, so many wonderful things to uh, to thank our Lord for. You know, our family, our our community. You know, uh, Catholic Radio. All these wonderful things
4: that uh, that we uh, you know shared at the table. It was great. Well, that reminded me, Rudy. I was going to share what at my Thanksgiving, but you just reminded me. We're having our Share-a-thon kickoff tomorrow. That's right. And so, if you are thankful for Catholic Radio. Well, think about donating to your local Catholic radio station. Uh, So get ready to call in and donate tomorrow. Tomorrow, that will be Tuesday. You'll be able to give if you are grateful for Catholic radio. Think about giving any dollar, any amount. We'd be very grateful. Let them know Catholic Drive Time sent you. But coming up in the show today, there was a ton. Usually over the holidays, you know, the news slows down a little bit. Not this year. (laughs) <laughs> Tons of stories back to back. Uh, for instance, museum declares Roman emperor was transgender. will use female pronouns. Explosion near Niagara Falls and Freemasonry secret rituals were exposed in a viral video. Plus, uh, within in the next hour. We're going to talk about how to celebrate Advent meditation on the four last things. We're going to meditate on death today. Okay, let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions. We're going to be praying for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for, for a healing of my grandfather's cancer, and, of course, for the holy souls in purgatory, because we're still in the month of November. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. O Lord, who art ever merciful and bounteous with thy gifts, look down upon the suffering souls in purgatory. Remember not their offenses and negligences, but be mindful of thy loving mercy, which is from all eternity. Cleanse them of their sins and fulfill their ardent desires that they may be made worthy to behold thee face to face in thy glory. May they soon be united with thee and hear those blessed words which will call call them to their heavenly home. Come, blessed of my Father take possession of the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world eternal father i offer thee the most precious blood of thy divine son jesus and union with the masses said throughout the world today for all the holy souls in purgatory for sinners everywhere for sinners in the universal church those in my own home and within my family amen in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen and now your headline news with rudy carlos good morning you're listening to catholic drive time keeping you informed and
5: inspired and here are some of your breaking news and headlines today did you know that only 36 percent still believe in the american dream wow concerning story here well according to a poll now the october 2023 wall street journal NORC poll reveals that a stark decline in belief in the american dream has happened, with only 36% holding on to it. Assessments of the U.S. economy are mixed, with only 2% viewing it as excellent, while 65% perceive it as not so good to poor. Surprisingly, 30% think life in America is better than 50 years ago. Despite concerns about economic challenges, President Biden's focus on international aid and projects adds to public discontent. However, the survey's demographic skew with 36% of respondents aged 65 plus raises questions about the reliability of the results. And millions of Americans are having their phone records accessed by a secret surveillance program. Do me a favor, if you guys have uh, AT&T, don't ever ever call me on the phone, okay? Millions of AT&T users are reportedly subject to phone call monitoring through the Data Analytical Services Surveillance Program previously known as Hemisphere. The program, coordinated with law enforcement, secretly collects and analyzes over one trillion domestic phone records annually. Employing chain analysis, it targets individuals in direct contact with criminal suspects, jeopardizing privacy rights, and raising constitutional concerns. Operating for over a decade, the program funded by the White House's Office of National Drug Control Policy faces public scrutiny. And the Vatican draws the line on women's ordination and homosexuality in New Letter to the German Bishops. The Vatican has firmly rejected discussions on women's ordination and changes to the Church's stance on homosexuality in upcoming meetings with the German Synodal Way delegates. A letter from Cardinal Pietro Perolin, the Vatican Secretary of State, outlined potential disciplinary consequences for those challenging Church teachings. The letter emphasized the ongoing universal synodal way and warned against the perceived parallel initiatives. It reiterated Pope Francis's stance on women's ordination, quoting St. John Paul II's ordinatio sacerdotalis, and reaffirmed the Church's position on homosexual acts. Now those are some of your headline news this morning, but hey, if you want to get the skinny on a brand new plenary indulgence, uh, stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time to find out. The skinny, you say. You want to get the skinny on this?
4: All right. Mm -hmm. The gospel of the day comes from Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to, since it's very short, I'll read to you the whole thing here. And verses 1 through 4 says, And looking on, he saw the rich men cast their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in two brass mites. And he said, Verily I say to you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all." For all these have of their abundance cast into the offering to God, but she of her want hath cast in all the living that she had. Now, I could definitely just turn this around and use this as a pitch for donating to the GRN and for your co- local Catholic radio station since our share is starting tomorrow, but I'm not going to do that. I won't mention that. Instead, I'm going to talk about you from the gloss. Um, this comes from St. Thomas Aquinas said, Our Lord, having rebuked the covetousness of the scribes, Who devoured widows' houses commends the almsgiving of a widow. And it said, and he looked up and saw the rich men casting into the treasury. Now here he said, mystically, the rich men who cast their gifts into the treasury signifies the Jews puffed up with the righteousness of the law. The poor widow symbolizes the simplicity of the church, which is called poor, because it has either cast away the spirit of pride or its sins as if they were worldly riches. But the church is a widow because her husband endured death for her. She cast two mites into the treasury because in God's sight, in whose keeping are all the offerings of our works, she presents her gifts, whether of love to God and her neighbor, or of faith and prayer. And these excel all the works of the proud Jews, for they of their abundance cast into the offerings of God, in that they presume on their righteousness... But the church casts in all her living. For everything that she has, has a life. And she believes to be the gift of God. Now, what here is St. Thomas trying to say? He's saying the Jews try to justify with the law. They have all the laws of Moses. And they're saying, look, I'm of Moses. Look, look at my lineage. Look at my genes. Look at my DNA. And therefore, I am worthy of God. But what does St. Thomas say? He says... But the Christian does not say look at my blood, but look at the blood of Christ. He doesn't say look at all the good things I have done, look at me following the law, but instead, look, I am doing the commands of Christ, who is God Himself. I cast away all my sins and try to be perfect as the Father is. This is Dale Alquist
3: with a Chesterton Minute. Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. What does that mean? Don't hang around with bad people? No. According to G.K. Chesterton, it means something much better than that. He says that there are certain people who, because they are really pure, create a good atmosphere around themselves. They are truly children of light, and the light shines on everything they touch. When a righteous person stakes out a clear position, we recognize that it's something solid and vital and eternal. So it's not that hanging around bad people makes us bad, it's that being righteous can help make the people hanging around us righteous too. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org
6: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint.
1: Wouldn't it be great if everyone read The Lives of the Saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion
4: from Guadalupe Radio Network. and welcome to Catholic Drive time. This is your host Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. it's good to be on with you today. You know, I had a really good Thanksgiving. It's been it was really good. It was very restful. I slept in a little bit and overall you know my mom loves playing games and so we had a, a series of games my mom had set up for us to play after after dinner. After lunch, I guess. And <laughs> I was like, so this is my problem. I don't like playing games, but I'm also extraordinarily competitive. So, like, when the, my mom was like, oh, let's play games. Like, oh, I don't want to play games. Okay, oh, whatever. <laughs> and then we start playing, and I'm like, I got to win them all. And I'm, like, going, like, all, like, as hard as possible. And my mom and I were on a team together. and We were playing, and it was just – um All that warfare against our family, so it was uh, it was pretty funny, but uh, I don't know why I brought that up except to say that I don't. I'm not a huge game guy. I don't. Whenever people play games, rather just sit around and and chat. But then once it starts, I have to win it all, (laughs) and I have no mercy. It's like I don't take it easy on anybody ever. (laughs) Oh, my sister would hate. Used to hate that my little sister. Anytime we play anything, I'm like, sorry, I can't let you win. It's just, it's not, not in my nature. <laughs> so there you go, folks. There you go. Anyway, on to stories that are, well, you know, not great. So the museum, a museum declares Roman emperor was transgender and will use female pronouns. Now, I presume this headline is referring to the museum will use female pronouns out the emperor since the emperor is dead uh, for like hundreds of years, 1800 years to be exact. A U.K. museum has declared a Roman emperor Elgabalus as transgender and will use female pronouns based on research in classical text. Right. Research. Particularly the writings of Cassius Dio Elagabulus, who took power at 14 and ruled from 218 to 222 A.D. I like how they use AD, by the way, instead of using CE. So praise be to God for that, at least. Reportedly expressed a preference to be called a lady. The museum consulted LGBTQ plus organizations like Stonewall and Unison for best practices. The decision aims to be inclusive, reflecting his identified gender. However, the historical records, notably those by Cassius Dio, are questioned for reliability. As Dio might have engaged in character, I was about to say that. A character assassination. I was about to say when I was done with this, I was like, you know, I have a feeling that this was probably written by his enemies <laughs> making, fun of, making <laughs> exactly,
5: fun of him. That was my first thought. <laughs> I was like, these were his bullies and they wrote this story about him.
4: That's literally what I was thinking. <laughs> so I'm glad it said that in, in this article because I, I was like, there's, they're probably like, can kind you of like how you like people would be like, um, with well, slander people like, oh yeah, that dude was totally gay. And it's like, was he actually or are people making fun of the guy. And that's that's what they did to Christopher Columbus, which, not not like calling him a woman or calling him gay, but saying that Christopher Columbus was a genocidal maniac. It was like, all those things were written by his political enemies. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. So it goes on and says, he was known for brutality. He married five women. Well, okay, anyway, her he had relationships with men. Okay, so apparently he was gay. Uh, and expressed extravagant desires, like creating a female dominated Roman Senate. The museum's use of female pronouns is considered appropriate in retrospect, emphasizing respect for gender identity and historical context. Okay. So a number of things there.
5: Hmm. Speaking of historical context, are we about to fall as a country? Because this is what Rome was doing thousands of years ago. And, uh, this has become kind of like the same today. <laughs> is this, uh, this happening right now
4: right is it, uh, it is exactly is that was exactly right why i picked this story this morning because it is so emblematic of like a dozen things wrong with our culture <laughs> it's not happening right now is
7: it <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> right <laughs> like they get to a point where so we talked about this in the past right our lord says or the uh, the epistles talk about how our lord will give us up unto our passions mm. and saint paul specifically cites Men lying down with men as something that's caused that God is punishing society with as a result, right? So what do we see with this guy, right? This guy in 200s AD, right around the fall of the Roman Empire, right before Augustine, apparently is a sodomite and he's sodomizing men, right? So we see these things happening and rising in in Rome right before the fall. It's very emblematic of our current situation, and I could list a dozen people, which, you know, it used to be, kind of side note, it used to be considered defamation per se to call someone a homosexual because it was such a insult and such a, a destruction of your character to be called a sodomite that if someone accused you of being a homosexual and it was not true, it was considered defamation per se, and you could be sued to oblivion for it. But that's more of a side note. the other thing that's interesting is this is a tactic that's done by the left all the time and this is very it's actually written in a book i'm forgetting the name of the book, but it's actually out of print it's really hard to find uh the it's basically the um the game plan of the homosexual movement on how to normalize homosexuality in the culture and in the book and i there's a there's a video that Trent Horn did about this maybe a few years ago because he actually has a copy of it. He was able to find an old copy and get a hold of it. And in the book, it actually talks about trying to accusing people in the past of being homosexuals. And obviously, you know, the transgender movement will will take a page of their playbook because it was incredibly successful from the homosexuals. And so why do this? Because back then, we just—I just I just mentioned it was defamation per se to accuse someone of being a homosexual. So they didn't want to say, oh, yeah, these major figures are homosexuals that are alive or have family who is still alive because then you get sued to oblivion by their family. So what was a tactic? Oh, we're going to call people who cannot defend themselves and have no one to defend them as homosexuals. And so they started calling past presidents who are long dead. Like, I think that one of the people, they accused Abraham Lincoln of being a homosexual. They accused some of the saints of being homosexuals. They accused all these people in the past of being homosexuals who clearly were not. And they were able to normalize it. They're able to normalize this position by accusing people in the past of doing so. So now we see the transgender movement doing the exact same thing. So whenever I see these things, especially when it comes to transgenderism, I'm always immediately taking it as they're lying to me. Unless there's overwhelming proof otherwise. But for the transgender thing, there's literally nothing you could say that would convince me that it's true because transgenderism is utter nonsense. Not real. And it's a modern invention. It's only been a thing in our current day. And so if you say somebody in the past was transgender, I do not believe you no matter what you say. However, you know, there were homosexuals throughout all of history. So it's always a question mark whenever people say, oh, that person was a homosexual. It's like, okay, well, is it true? Is it not true? And how do we know? How can we tell? It's always a a question mark. And I automatically start from a position of skepticism because I know these people have this as a tactic and they're trying to confuse you. So that's my default. Like, they try to say that Plato was a homosexual, Aristotle was a homosexual, even though Plato and Aristotle wrote against homosexuality. So I'm like, I mean, I guess it's possible they were inconsistent. I mean, a lot of people are inconsistent in their beliefs. They will profess one thing but do other things. So, I mean, it's possible, but I'm not going to just take their word for it. Okay, this story was really interesting that broke... On right up when we went to break on the Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, right before we went to break explosion near Niagara Falls. Immediate reports were reporting that there was, in fact, a um, terrorist attack. But it seems like that is not true. And there, Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, said that there is no evidence of terrorism. So on November 22nd, 2023, an explosion occurred at the Rainbow Bridge on the U.S.-Canada border near Niagara Falls, U.S. Customs and Border Protection released footage showing a vehicle traveling at high speeds, hitting a median and later exploding. Uh, I saw the video. I mean, it was really—it's kind of kind of crazy how that happened. And I'd be very curious to know why that happened. Why was they? Why were they driving so fast? Why were they heading that direction? Like, did the guy have a stroke while he was driving? Have a heart attack and died? And the foots was on the pedal. I have no idea, but. They was going really fast. If you see the video, he even got airtime. He went up in the air like a movie. It was kind of crazy. Now, early suspicions of terrorism arose fueled by claims of an attempted terrorist attack with an explosive-laden car. But law enforcement officials have said that it's not. FBI Special Agent in Charge Matthew Mergalia emphasized the absence of derogatory information about the identified individual. The incident resulted in two deaths and an injured border officer. The Rainbow Bridge, a key crossing, was closed. Niagara Falls Bridge Commission reported closures at all four crossings. Witness accounts described a vehicle speeding at the checkpoint, swerving, crashing, and exploding. An unnamed source suggested a terrorist attack, prompting an FBI investigation. They then emphasized that there was an ongoing investigation urged caution and drawn conclusions. The FBI continued coordinating with law enforcement partners, and the situation remained fluid. Governor Hochul directed state police to collaborate with the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force to monitor New York's points of entry. The incident raised concerns amidst heightened terrorist threats, with federal authorities addressing the situation at the U.S.-Canada border. The investigation continued to unfold, highlighting the need for careful assessment as information emerged. Okay, so that's the story. I know it's always it's always a giant question mark for me. Whenever we see stories like this, uh, I hope they're gonna find out information soon. I did not see anything today, and it's already been several days almost it's been a week since it happened pretty much. And yet we still don't know what actually happened. It's very strange to me. I hope that it was kind of just people were off of work, news reporters were not investigating. And we'll find out more information today. But if they don't come out with more information, you know, this is why people start to have conspiracy theories. This is why people start to question things. And they start to ask, like, hey, well, why is the FBI not reporting on this, right? Why are they ignoring these stories? And so I am withholding judgment until we learn more information. But current reports seem to indicate that it was not a terrorist attack. But, you know, uh, coming up in the next segment, we're about to go to a quick break. I want to talk to you about this, which is a very related story. New York to train students how to, quote, spot conspiracy theories online. This is an announcement from Governor Kathy Hochul. So those stories seem to have a little bit of a connection in my mind. And so we're going to talk about that coming up in the next segment. But I just want to remind you that we are, in fact, having our share starting tomorrow. So if you'd like to join us for our share and give, if GRN and Catholic Drive Time has ever been a benefit to you, well, make sure that you are tuned in tomorrow and ready to donate. Let them know Catholic Drive Time sent you. You can also just find all that information. Go to grnonline.com, grnonline.com. If you go to grnonline.com, you will be able to find all of the information on how to donate whenever we start our charathon. We'll be right back with more right after this.
2: Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stand Tall today coaching minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute.
1: Hey Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass?
2: Uh, The Christmas
3: scripture.
1: That's right. Alright, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus that's right. Mary. That's right. <laughs> they love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. Welcome back to
5: Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Here's a uh, a bittersweet story. Hamas returns hostages, including a U.S. citizen. A third group of Israeli hostages arrive back in Israel on Sunday evening as part of a temporary ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Hostage Abigail Idan, who turned four while she was in captivity, is a dual U.S. citizen. Now, both of uh, her parents were murdered by Hamas terrorists, and Kafar Aza Kibbutz, during the October 7th attacks, So please do keep her in your prayers today. Bittersweet story. And uh all right, I promised you I would let you know about this new plenary indulgence. Okay, I've got an exclusive source here that tells me that Catholics can receive a plenary indulgence by praying before a nativity scene. But You might be wondering, wow, really? That's all I got to do? Well, there's a little bit more to the story. This year, Catholics will be able to receive a plenary indulgence from December 8th the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary to February second, twenty twenty four, the feast of the presentation in the temple of our Lord, in the temple of our Lord Jesus Christ, by praying before a nativity scene in a Franciscan church. So that's the catch there, you gotta go to a Franciscan church. Earlier this year, on the feast of St. Francis of Assisi, the faithful gathered at the Basilica of St. Francis in Assisi, Italy, to honor the beloved Italian saint and to celebrate the 800th anniversary of the approval of the rule of St. Francis, as well as the creation of the nativity scene in Greccio. As part of the celebration of this Franciscan centenary, the conference of the Franciscan family asked Pope Francis for the approval of this plenary indulgence. It's a little bit kind of complicated how to get it, okay? The conditions to receive a plenary indulgence in all cases are to have detachment from all sin, even venial sins, which most people don't qualify for, and sacramental confession, holy communion and prayer for the intentions of the Pope. Sacramental confession and receiving the Eucharist can happen up to about 20 days before or after the act performed to receive a plenary indulgence. It's appropriate that communion and the prayer take place on the same day that the work is completed. One sacramental confession is sufficient for several plenary indulgences. However... For each plenary indulgence one wishes to receive, a separate reception of the Eucharist, and a separate prayer for the intentions of the Holy Father are required. So it's not as easy as you think. But in any case, those are all your headlines this morning. Thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time.
4: Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, <laughs> Rudy, you were mentioning during the, during the break about my, my eye problem. Your bloodshot eyes. Yeah, my, my family was freaking out. I'm a out concerned yesterday. father <laughs> looking at your eyes like that. Yeah, I don't know what happened yesterday when I, I woke up and I had just like pressure in my eye and I didn't notice. I didn't think anything of it. I was like, okay, whatever. I got to get dressed and go to church. So I was getting ready and I was, you know, I'm always super exhausted in the morning. So I'm like, oh, whatever. Just getting dressed. And I'm like, <laughs> I make it to church after Mass, which oh, by the way, my Father gave eight. Crazy good sermon. I'm going to tell you about the sermon in the next hour because uh, his whew, ten out of ten would recommend. I was blown away. But I after mass, my my mom sees me. She's like, "Hey, what happened to you?" I'm like, "What? Your eyes?" And I get pull up my phone. I'm looking at it, and I have like blood all in my whites in my eyes. And I'm like, "Holy moly, what on earth?" No idea what happened. No clue. And my mom was convinced, she's like, you have high blood pressure, you have this, you have that. So my my dad was like, she's like, all right, come on, we're going to check your blood pressure. So he uh, checked my blood pressure. We did uh, basically all the vitals and different things that we have around the house. And apparently, I have a perfect blood pressure. Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah, I was like, no way. <laughs> oh, he was like, your man. your pulse is perfect. Your, your uh, heart rate is perfect. Your blood pressure is perfect. Uh, he was like, huh. I'm surprised. I'm like, why are you surprised? Me too. I'm an, I've, I'm an Adonis
5: of health, man. I've seen you just <sighs> crank back those energy drinks, man.
3: I,
4: I know. I would have thought, I and mean, you think it would be like sky high. I know, but apparently, I'm I'm good health. I don't know what happened to my eye. I have no idea. Got. <laughs> So yeah, I'm. almost like, if that doesn't go away. Take you to the eye doctor. And I'm like, nah, mom, I'm good. Don't worry about it.
5: I got high blood pressure thinking about this planetary indulgence story. I read the headline and I was like, planetary indulgence? Heck yeah, let's go. And then it's like, oh, by the way, you have to
4: do this in front of a Franciscan church.
5: Like, how am I going to find a
4: Franciscan church? You know, I don't know here? if there's even any Franciscan churches in Houston. I
5: guess you just got to go on Google and type in Franciscan church near me. It'll probably be, I don't know, what? Take a trip to to Assisi. Why not to Assisi? Yeah, go go to Italy. That would be awesome. Hey, you might you want to go after work. You might be able to do it if you donate at the Archangel level tomorrow. That's true. That's such a good point. You got pretty good good chances of winning a trip for two, all expenses paid. Uh, You could go to Italy. You could go to Assisi. Imagine getting that Planarian indulgence. Oh man, that'd be 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 pretty pretty
4: cool. That'd be pretty dope. Not gonna lie. Well, hmm. Okay, interesting. Uh, if anybody knows of any good Franciscan churches in the greater Houston area or then like an hour or, drive. Or in the United States. Let us know. Or in the United States, yeah. Shoot me an email or better yet, join our social media feeds and leave a comment. I'd be very interested. Now, before I went to break and before I went on this massive tangent, the I wanted to tell you about the New York having to train students on how to spot conspiracy theories online. Governor Kathy Hoko of New York has announced a $3 million expansion of the Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services Domestic Terrorism Prevention Unit. Wow, that's a long name. And what is the acronym for that? The D-H-S-E-S-D-T-P-U? Is that the acronym for that? Because that is just ridiculous. Um, Anyway, to enhance threat assessment and management training programs at colleges and universities. Now, and first when, as soon as you mention the Division of homeland security i 'm immediately like, "Okay, here we go, because those guys just love to just infringe on american rights man it's i'm like never going pastime I'm never going to new York dude i'm never going to New York ever again. I feel like they just are spying on all New Yorkers constantly <laughs> like they're I imagine like remember that story a months ago about um was it Australia? You reported on this, Rudy, about the they having all these new cameras that were going to be using AI to spy on everybody, basically. Ugh, man, that's happening everywhere. I did report on a story. There's a cam
5: their camera's being used uh, to um I think what they're doing is they take pictures of your license plate, and if your car is past a certain age, they tax you higher. They send you a a tariff for having a
4: gas guzzler. Yikes! That's definitely happening happening in uh, London, apparently. Hmm. Well, I remember there being a story. I got to go find this story where they were talking about this like new tech city, and there's going to just be like cameras everywhere, Wi-Fi everywhere, and I think it was going to be in Australia. I got to go find that story, and it was like that. That's going to be the surveillance state. And this is what this reminded me of. Uh, so it goes on. It says, with a focus on combating online radicalization and conspiracy theories, Hokel aims to address the rising tide of hate in the state. <sighs> yeah, it's like, what is hate? What does that even mean? And how do you address hate from a governmental standpoint? She emphasized deploying physical security resources, encouraging social media companies to take stronger action. Of course, she does. And fostering community collaboration against hate. You know, the answer to hate is having people convert to the Catholic faith. Just throwing that out there. Ahoko directed the development of media literacy tools for K-12 through public schools, teaching students and educators to identify conspiracy theories, misinformation, disinformation, and online hate. The goal is to equip younger individuals with the skills to distinguish between digital fact and fiction, providing a defense against hatred in this fast-paced digital landscape. TAM teams consisting of multidisciplinary professionals will operate the progress or the programs assessing risk and creating management plans for those on the path to violence, the path to violence. So I have a question. What does that mean? Is path to violence meaning you are a rad trad and you go to the SSPX or the FSSP? Is that what is considered on a path to violence? Cause seems like the FBI considers Radical traditional Catholics as a threat to Homeland Security. Uh, so what is what is that going to be? And what does that mean? Assessing risks and trying to you're going to make deprogram people from being a traditional Catholic. Is that what's going to be on that list? Very, very concerning. Uh, teams will establish reporting systems for schools and train staff to identify, quote, concerning behaviors early. Hmm. What are concerning behaviors? Governor Hochul expressed concerns to Google ex-TikTok and meta executives about their proliferation of anti-Semitic, anti-Muslim and anti-Arab content on their platforms. Her letter highlighted the need for platforms to address hateful content following the governor's broader statewide efforts to monitor online activity and combat the spread of hate. Huckle stressed the importance of shared values and New York's role in leading efforts against anti-Semitism and Islamophobia on a national and global scale. So that's another question. Define anti-Semitism and define Islamophobia. Because they these are two words that people love to throw around, which doesn't actually mean anything. If I desire to convert Jews and Muslims to the Catholic faith, they consider that anti-Semitic. They consider that Islamophobic. And so, what are they what are they gonna what do they mean by that? They thrive off of ambiguous words, they thrive off of confusion. So We should definitely keep an eye on that. And I personally would never want to live in New York or California. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this.
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg.
6: is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood.
1: Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly
4: suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. Just a quick reminder, tomorrow is our share So if you would like to donate to the furthering of the gospel message, if you'd like to further the mission of evangelization, tomorrow is your chance. So just wanted to throw that out to you before we run out of time here today. Now, there's a number of stories that... The amount of stories that came out over the weekend, over the Thanksgiving Day break, was just ridiculous. So, Rudy, I'm going to let you choose the next story that we're going to talk about here. We got the story of the riots breaking out in Ireland. Mm -hmm. We have Mm -hmm. the story of Eric Adams being accused of sexual assault. We have Derek Chauvin got stabbed in prison, Mm -hmm. Um, the Freemasons being exposed, Mm. and let's put one more on that list. How about the Texas AG launches investigation into Media Matters?
5: Yeah, it's going to be Freemasons for me, my man. Freemasons for you? Yeah, I think so.
4: Well, let's talk about the Freemason story, because this was pretty wild, actually. I was... It was really interesting. Did you see the story? I did. I saw some of the video as well. The video was wild. So I remember uh, Joe McLean. he would tell the story of when he became a Freemason because he's a former Freemason and he and I talked about it for a long time because I was like he would explain to me what happened in a Freemason uh, ceremony when you became a Freemason and I was like, dude. That is the most crazy thing I've ever heard in my life. Why would anybody ever agree to do that? He was like, yeah, they make you take off all your anything that has symbolic meaning. So jewelry, rosaries, uh, wedding band, anything that had anything, they make you take it off. They strip you to your underwear. They put a hood over your head and a noose over your neck. And they put a knife to your chest and walk you into the room. And I'm like, And you agreed to do that? (laughs) Like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, you know, I've been thinking back on it. It's kind of crazy. You know what's
5: funny though is you hear that and you make a mental image of what that would be like. Mm -hmm. And then you see it on the video and you're like, man, this is cheesy. Who would actually do this? This is like, this is like
4: a party trick. I have a mental image of it and I'm like, I'm like, dude. There's no way that really happened. You did not strip to your underwear and let a guy. And so <laughs> this guy, this independent Catholic journalist, Kyle Clifton, actually recorded the ceremony and posted it online. You can watch it, and I recommend people watch it because you can to understand what's actually happening there. That's what they literally do. They actually do those things. I was like, Joe, you exaggerate too much, man. You you always tell stories and. We have video evidence. That's what happens. They do it. I'm jaw hit the ground, dude. I was watching those videos. I was in this insanity. You know what's interesting is uh, it's it's tempting to look at this story and say, wow, these guys are total
5: LARPers. Because you know, you you hear about the story too of like some of the deep lore of the Mason lore, which is like you Spank. know, uh, some of the handshakes, they have to do with the apprentices of the master mason who built the temple for Solomon and all this stuff. And you're like, wow, oh, that seems like an interesting, like book, you know, like, a like maybe like a fiction, fantasy right? fiction yeah. book, right? <laughs> but then you realize the sobering reality. It's the people are actually participating in a, a demonic ritual and suddenly all the, the laughs go away because these people are actually, you know, basically selling
4: themselves to the devil there. Yeah. Now, I recommend people check out the article on LifeSite News. They do a deep dive into it and explain the history of the Freemasons in it, uh, but just a kind of a summary of it. Here it says, independent Catholic journalist Kyle Clifton is facing death threats after exposing secret Masonic rituals in a viral video. Now, side note here, yeah, if you reveal what happens at a Freemason meeting, technically, you agree to be executed by the freemasons and you put your life on the line and if you ever leave the masons all those things you basically say you were going to die you curse yourself and your family now it goes on and says Clifton joined a masonic lodge to unveil their secrets you know what's funny about that i had a friend who asked me he said would it be a sin for me to join the freemasons in order to expose them and i was like 100% dude you cannot first of all you'd be lying And second of all, you would just, you'd be making oaths that you don't believe in, but those oaths are like anti-God, anti-Christ, like you can't do that. So this guy actually did that. So it's pretty wild. So one, I would not recommend people do that, but I do think it's interesting that we got, we learned these things from it. He just crossed his fingers. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Right. It's not like he can hide anything. Yeah. They strip him naked practically. And so, anyways, How did he
5: record this? By the way,
4: <laughs> oh, he wasn't the one. Uh, he was already, it. Yeah, he was, it, was already, yeah, he was already in it, he was recording it, yeah,
5: for someone else. It's like who filmed the uh, the Apollo capsule taking off from the from the moon, right?
4: Just oh, never oh, mind, man. never mind. Let's not go there. Oh man, it's over. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to even touch that. And his footage reveals a third degree master mason induction ceremony. The video posts on X have garnered millions of views. Clifton, now a baptized Catholic, disclosed his initial intent to expose Freemasonry, believing it to influence global malevolence. The Masonic rituals showcased in the videos include a mock execution ceremony, oaths, and mockery of Christianity. The ritual revolve around Hebram Abif, the alleged chief architect of King Solomon's Temple, incorporating faux resurrection ceremonies and symbolic elements mocking well, this is mimicking, but I would say mocking Christ's passion and his wounds. Clifton's videos has had of promoted over 30 death threats with attempts to intimidate his family. The Masonic oath he exposed includes severe penalties for breaking secrecy. Despite Masonic attempts to downplay these penalties, the Catholic Church consistently forbids Catholics from joining Freemasonry. Pope Clement XII in 1739 Issued a papal bull imposing automatic excommunication for Catholics joining Freemasonry. There has been reaffirmations by subsequent Vatican declarations of the fact that Catholics cannot be Freemasons. Freemasonry, viewed as hostile to Christianity, faces condemnation from the Catholic Church for its anti Catholic principles and goals. So that's the story. And I think it's worthy of note because, like what Rudy mentioned earlier, People would like to think that all these things are fake, not real, just a game. They're serious. It's real. People do those things. And your friends who are Freemasons, that's what they did. They went through those ceremonies. Think about that for a second. Watch that video and then think about your friend who's a Freemason, your uncle who's a Freemason, your cousin who's a Freemason, and be like, you went through that? You did that? Very strange.
2: There's very, also, very strange.
5: You know, there's also these... Um these curses that they invoked right if you if you betray the the masonic secrets you know you curse yourself and your family there are exorcists who say that there are generational curses that stem from family members being masons so it's even more serious than we think when we have family members who are participating in, in, in masonry, it's, it's really incompatible with our faith, which is uh, interesting that this story came out just a few weeks after uh, the Vatican reaffirmed. You cannot be a Freemason and, uh, and actually receive Holy Communion. It's, these things are completely incompatible with each other.
4: Yeah, it's like saying, oh, yeah, you can be a Buddhist and a Catholic. <laughs> it's nonsensical because yeah. Freemasonry is its own religion. Uh, they worship the devil or they call him the Grand Architect. People try to pretend that it's Christianity, but it's not. So it's something that people need to keep in mind and be aware of as these things go on. Okay. I think we have time for just one more story because there was, I mean, the amount of things that happened, like Ireland, whew, I'll probably save that for another day. Ireland's riots that happened were pretty wild. Really interesting, had a lot of things involved with it. But I think I want to talk about the Derek Chauvin stabbing. The reason why is because I feel really bad for Derek Chauvin, and very few people are talking about him, and the fact that he's unjustly imprisoned. The former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin is serving a 20-plus year sentence for George Floyd's death, who was repeatedly stabbed in prison, prompting life-saving measures. The attack occurred at the Federal Correction Institution in Tuscan with the assailant unnamed. He was previously in solitary confinement for protection and faced appeals arguing an unfair trial due to intense publicity. How could he ever get a fair trial? Ever. He is the most well-known person and the the case is the most well-known case in America. Despite videos of Floyd's detainment sparking protests, Chauvin's legal team claimed Claims were rejected by the Supreme Court on November 20th. Uh, Disgraceful of the Supreme Court for not taking the case. Who else is he supposed to appeal to? Short of a a presidential pardon, it's over for him. Uh, The court's decision, not specifying reasons, marked the end of Chauvin's appeal and maintained its convictions, including second-degree murder. The attack led to the suspension of prison visitations amid existing security and staffing issues. Now, it was interesting because there was a new documentary out called The Fall of Minneapolis, which re-examined Floyd's death and the prosecution of Chauvin. And the documentary suggests a rush judgment by many people leading to widespread crimes. I would say, you know, the riots. I don't know if we could call it widespread crime, the burning down of of police, offices, police buildings and the occupation of capitals. I don't – or city halls, rather. I don't know if that – Qualified it as widespread crime. I think that's too calm of a term. But journalist Liz Collin, uh, vilified for her 2020 reportings of the riots, produced the crowdfunded documentary. And uh, Liz says, spoke to Chauvin from the prisons, and he said that the trial was a sham and criticizes the delayed ambulance response. Also, and I would love to learn more about this, they claimed that the FBI altered Floyd's autopsy to create a narrative supporting Chauvin's guilt. Now that's really interesting because you could see video where he is clearly has his knee on the back of George Floyd and not on his neck. And all the police officers who analyze all the footage, not just the footage from in front of him, but all the footage is very clear that he used the proportional force necessary. And he's not guilty of murder. The fact that he's being thrown in prison is purely a dog and pony show. Because they know that if he was let off as innocent, there would be riots everywhere. That's probably the reason why the Supreme Court won't take it. Obviously, the Supreme Court didn't give a reason. But I imagine they're afraid that it's going to cause riots all across America. And if I was in the jury, I'd be pretty scared. If I said, voted to that he was innocent... Then uh, is my family going to be in danger? Am I going to be in danger? Am I going to cause more riots across the globe, across the U.S., across the globe? Cause people were talking about this all around, all over the world. And so Derek Chauvin has become a scapegoat. He has become the sacrament, the, the sacrificial lamb to be slaughtered. And pfft, did he deserve it? And people are trying to dig up things and say, oh, yeah, but Chauvin was actually not a great guy. He was mean to people, not a great cop. And I'm thinking, therefore, he needs to go to prison for 20 years and probably get murdered in prison, get murdered when he gets out. Because people because he might have not been the best police officer seems like disproportionate punishment. So let's pray for Derek Chauvin and let's pray for all those involved. we we'll right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this.
7: I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person, I love it. I love it, my heart's there. I took communion after 18 years and the rest of the Mass sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love.
8: If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any
3: reason, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. What is a patron saint? The classic professions such as soldiers or doctors have patron saints who represent the ideal of soldiering or doctoring. And yet, so many of the trades and crafts on which the modern world depends do not have an ideal figure. There is no patron saint of plumbers, for instance, and G.K. Chesterton says there should be. It would be a revolution, for it would inspire each individual plumber to consider that there was once a perfect being who actually did plumb. In the meantime, what do plumbers and the rest of us do? Chesterton says, keep before your eyes the supreme adventure of virtue. If you're kind, think of the man who was kinder than you. That's what is meant by having a patron saint. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org.
6: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to say some prayers for the souls in Purgatory.
1: Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed often for those in Purgatory? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network.
3: Ever
5: feel like life's just too much? Maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace today, begin at catholicscomehome.com.
4: I used to wonder if God really cared about me. Then I started praying and going to church. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's be good to be with you today. You know, I had an awesome sermon on Sunday. You know, it's funny. How often do people go into work on Monday and be like, You know, I heard a great sermon yesterday and talk about their sermons at work. Side note, did you have a good sermon yesterday? I dare you. I dare you to share what the sermon was at work today. At the water cooler, be like, man, I heard the craziest sermon yesterday. Let me share with you what Father said. I dare you to talk about it. And if nothing else, leave a comment on our live streams, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, and tell me about the sermon you heard yesterday. I'd be very curious. and I bet Father would be very Happy to know that you remembered his sermon. But yesterday, we had a very special sermon talking about getting prepared, you know. Well, he didn't say this, but I was thinking this because Advent, we're coming into the season of Advent, right? And the season of Advent leads to Christmas. And so Advent used to be a time of penance. It was like a mini Lent, a small Lent, getting ready for the feast of Christmas. And what do you do during Lent? It's like a meditation on death, right? You're meditating on the passion, getting ready for the passion of Christ, for his death, his crucifixion, and then ultimately the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And so what do we meditate upon during Advent leading up to Christmas? So think about it this way. What was the Advent leading up to Christmas? Well, Christmas is the birth of our Lord, right? Our Lord was born on Christmas Day. So what happens before that? Well, you have all the salvation history, the Old Testament, right? So you have history heading towards the nativity. The world's getting ready for the nativity. All the nations on bated breath waiting for the nativity to happen. And so what's happening during that time? Well, it's the bad news, right? It's the bad news. And so Christ is born, and then we have the good news. We have the gospel, So the gospel, the good news, implies that there was bad news. And so what does a church normally set aside to meditate upon during the season of Advent? Well, it's very traditional for there to be preaching on the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And that actually matches up pretty well with the weeks of Advent. And so I wanted to take the time to meditate upon the four last things with you during the season of Advent. And so this week we will meditate upon death. And I think that's something that people don't like to meditate upon. And we, we noticed this a lot during COVID, right? Everybody was so scared of dying. Like that was the biggest thing. And obviously I'm not saying that we should be like, Oh yeah, let's all go die. No, of course not. But I am saying we shouldn't be have death as this thing that is so scary that we'd never even heard of it before. No one, we never thought of it before. Cause it's scary if you never thought of it. And the first time you think of it is whenever you're facing it, right? That is much scarier. But if we think about it before, well, yeah, we still be afraid of it. And that's okay. In fact, we should be afraid of it to some degree. But we can prepare for it. We can get ready for it. We can grab our shield, maybe the miraculous metal, the brown scapular, and be prepared to battle. ...against the devil who will come for you at your death. Now, I recommend this book. I highly recommend. You can get it for free online, so you don't even need to buy it. And obviously, I don't make any money off of the book. But I highly recommend The Four Last Things, Death, Judgment, Hell, and Heaven, written by Father Martin Von Kocham. I highly recommend. He wrote it in the, I believe he wrote it in the 17th century. And it's been used all across the world as a book to meditate upon during the season of Advent. So I I cannot recommend highly enough this wonderful book on the four last things. I read it years ago, like probably four years ago, and it, it struck me to the core. Now, he starts off the book talking about death. He says, on the terrors of death. And when he was meditating on the terrors of death, he talks about how you, might, you may think, and I love how he kind of addresses the reader throughout it. He's like, you may think that you don't really need to talk about the terrors of death because we're all kind of scared of it, right? We all are aware of it, and we all know it's bad. We all have had loved ones who have died, and so all sensible people fear death. But he wants to give reasons why, to explain why we are afraid of death. And he said, there are, in fact, terrors that are associated with it. He says, for one, we, of course, love our lives. We dread death because we weren't meant to die. And this goes back to Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, it was not so. Death was not so. It was by the failure of Adam and Eve that we have earned death. And so by original sin, we earned death. And by actual sin, we earn hell. And what does that mean? By original sin, by the sin of Adam and Eve, we are locked out of paradise. And we have earned the fact that all humans die. By our actual sin, sin that you commit yourself, because original sin is not something you did personally, but actual sin is sins you do personally. By actual sin, you earn hell. And it's by confession that you're able to be forgiven of your actual sin and by baptism that you're freed of original sin and able to enter heaven. Now, secondly, every rational being is aware that death is bitter and the separation of the soul and the body cannot take place without inexpressible suffering. Father Von Kochem notes that at the moment of our Lord's death, that's when he groans and you notice that he cries out in pain. Why? Because Father Von Kochem says the rending of the body and soul is the most inexpressible suffering that anyone will ever endure. And so that's for that reason we should, in fact, fear death. He says, thirdly, because no one knows whether he will go after death or how he will stand in the day of judgment. This is very important to keep in mind because we have a tendency in our modern world to presume upon heaven. We presume that we will go to heaven at the end of our lives. And I think it's important to keep in mind, and so did Father von Kochem, that we don't know where we're going to go when we die. We may have a pretty good sign. We may know, okay, well, you know, I, I've done an examination of conscience. I've gone to confession. I've repented. I don't think I've committed any sin since then. I think I'm good. But at the end of the day... God's judgments are above our judgments. Who can stand before an angry God, right? And so, in fact, it is scary. It is scary to think about. And we have to also think about the fact that the demons will come after us at the end of our lives. They'll come after us with a ferocity that is unlike any other. And Father, during his sermon yesterday, I was very intrigued by this. He talked about how when you're on your deathbed, The body and the soul go in different directions. The body is weak. It becomes less strong. Your your skin is less supple. The color comes out of your skin. You may break out in cold sweats on your deathbed. But your soul is actually strengthened, according to Father yesterday. And he said it's strengthened in one of two ways. Either if you lived a saintly life and fostered a soul that is directed towards God, and he said, you see this in the lives of the saints where at the moment of their death, many times they will see the beatific vision. They will see the blessed Virgin. They will see our Lord. They will see the angels there comforting them. They will be ready for their death, welcoming death to come home because they have a magnanimity of soul. But those who lived a dreadful life, who said things like oh I will repent on my deathbed. Those who say oh I will decide to fix my life when I am dying. I will wait to get a priest at the end of my life. Those people who presume upon the mercy of God. Well their souls are strengthened too. But their souls are strengthened in the way that they trained. And if they train their souls to be resistant to the grace of God. If they train their soul to make bad confessions or not make any confessions at all then even more so at your deathbed. Your soul will be more solidified in its past decisions. And it'll be more difficult. As St. Augustine talks about how deathbed conversions are very rare. Are very rare. And so we should, in fact, have fear of this. Father Von Kocham, uh, concluding on his first chapter, and uh, this is just uh, part one of his first chapter on death, he says, how severe a conflict is before us poor mortals. What torments await us at our last hour? One is almost inclined to think it would have been preferable never to have been born than to be born to suffer such anguish. But it is thus that heaven is to be won. And through this narrow gate alone can we enter into paradise. Wherefore, O Christian, accept your destiny cheerfully. And from a steadfast resolution to bear unmurmuringly the bitterness of death, but as a great merit to yield up one's life, the life of every, that every man loves so well and submit with a ready and willing mind to the pangs of death. And for the purpose of encouraging you to gain merit in your last moments, let me counsel you to make the following determination to suffer death bravely. Here's the resolution. O God, of all justice who has ordained that since the fall of our first parents, all men should die. And also that, that it should be the lot of many amongst us to taste in their death. Something of the pains thy son endured at the hour of his death. I submit most willingly to this, to thy stern decree. Although life is sweet to me and death appears most bitter, Yet out of obedience to thee, I voluntarily accept death with all its pains, and am ready to yield up my soul whenever, wherever, in what way or manner soever it may please thy divine providence to appoint. And since thou hast made death so bitter to man, in order that we may feel a certain extent by our own experience how painful a death thy beloved son underwent for our sakes, I willingly accept the penalty of death that I may at last, at my latter end, know something of the pains of my blessed Lord, who suffered on my account. In honor, therefore, of his bitter passion and death, I now cheerfully subject myself to whatever sufferings I may be called upon to pass through at the moment of my departure and declare my determination to bear them all with the constancy of which I am capable. I pray that this resolution of my part be pleasing in thy sight, that thou will give me grace to bear my last agony with patience. Amen. Now, Father Von Kochem, he then goes on in his other chapters or his other sections on this chapter, talk about the assault of Satan at the hour of death, on the apparition of the spirits of darkness, on the fear of hell, and on the judgment, all in relation to death. And just a quick something on that is the assault of Satan at the hour of death, talks about how... The assaults of Satan is increased exponentially at the moment of your death. That all of hell comes after you, which is why we have to be prayed up, which is why we pray the rosary every single day and say, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. While we pray to our guardian angel to protect us, to defend us, that we pray to St. Michael, that we pray to our patron saints that they protect us the hour of our death. It's very important. Then he talks about the apparition of the spirits of darkness. He says that it is the consensus of the fathers that at the moment of your death, you will actually see the spirits of darkness, which will be a great fear to you if you do not have Our Lady there to comfort you. You think about these, the Fatima children, that they said they would have, been, they would have died of fear if they had not been assured by Our Lady of comfort when they saw hell. Now, next week, we'll talk about the last judgment, the first and second judgments the particular and last judgment. We'll talk about that in next week. And the week after we'll talk about hell because hell is a very, very scary thing. And then the week leading up to Christmas, we'll talk about heaven. So the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell in that order. So uh, just keep that in mind and we'll be able to go through all this together. And of course we're going to end with heaven because that's the most beatitude, the most beautiful thing, but we're going to go into our fear and trembling game show and we're going to give away prizes and Guess what? Because this week is Sherathon and we're not going to have the game show the rest of the week, today is a day we're going to give out a prize. So whoever calls in will win the prize. So call now, 877 757 9424. 757 9424. You can call now and win that prize. The next person, to pick up the phone and dial that number, 877 757 9424, will be the winner. We'll be right back.
2: Contact us at standhalltoday.com.
3: For victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's Word, and we receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin and is going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So, if you haven't been going to Bash Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home.
1: Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling, the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation. By the seat of your pants. It's a 50 50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877
4: 757 9424. 877 757 9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show where we give out prizes and you could be a winner now. Today's the day we give out a prize. And I was going to give out the number again, but I just checked the phone lines. And they're full. So, way to go, guys. <laughs> you guys uh, rocked it today. Woo! Now, I have good news and bad news for you who called in. We're only going to take the first caller. We always take the first caller. But if you did not get on today, well, do us a favor and call back next week. We'll have our game show again, and you could be a winner next week. Uh, but you could always call in tomorrow because we're taking calls all week long because we're having our share And if you... Love Catholic Drive Time and what we do here. Well, make sure you call in and let them know that you love what Catholic Drive Time is doing. Tell us your favorite segment of Catholic Drive Time. We'd be very appreciative. What's your favorite part of Catholic Drive Time? And donate to the Guadalupe Radio Network. We'd be very, very grateful. Now, uh, Rudy, you wanted to say something? No, I was about to say, you know, we're not taking
5: any other calls today besides our first caller. But you can call again tomorrow for our shareathon. I'm thankful mm. that you uh, you mentioned that. It's Giving Tuesday tomorrow, by the way.
4: Well, you know what's really funny, Rudy? Well, I'll I'll wait for this joke. <laughs> I'll wait for this joke. I'm gonna pass this joke for a second. But the, the se- well, we'll come back around for this joke. This joke is gonna be really funny in a second. I promise. I promise. The what is the prize this week, Rudy?
5: Uh, thanks be to God. This week, since we're doing a, a short kind of a short kind of uh, you know fear and trembling segment this week, we're going to be giving away a book by our dear friend Alan Smith. So we're going to be giving away a book that is probably Fulton Sheen themed. And uh, I just want to say thank you again to our great friend Alan Smith from Canada. He's the uh, the zealous guest that you hear every Thursday here on Catholic Drive Time, and uh, you're going to get one of his books. It's uh, going to be a gentleman's choice.
4: So we're going to pick for you. We'll send it to you in the mail. Well, it's hilarious because um, no. joining us right now is Alan Smith. Uh.
6: <laughs> good
4: morning, Alan.
9: Uh, good morning. Good morning. Hey, listen, I'll donate the book back. You know. You can- <laughs>
5: How about uh. we send you a coffee cup?
9: I take the coffee cup. I know that it's a collector's item, and, uh, you know, that's why I thought maybe the prize today would be a collector's cup because I know they're going to be limited edition, uh, special. There'd be, it's relics, of course, signed. By <laughs> you, like, I mean, <laughs> um, you know, my wish list is, is, is not that long, you know, but, uh, that item is one thing that's on my wish list, having, uh, again, a coffee cup.
5: Well, Alan, uh, Alan, if you want to upgrade the coffee cup, uh, just pay an extra $5, and we'll both use it. It'll become a second-class relic. That's, that's disgusting. Uh, I'll wash it <laughs> after, Adrian. Come on, dude.
9: Oh, yeah, well, that's the whole cool right. thing. Do you, ever, do you ever just say to someone that gives you a relic to say, oh, can I know that's a piece of his vestment, or a piece of his clothes. could you wash that first before you give <laughs> it to
4: me? Uh, <laughs> uh. Oh, man, that's too good. Well, Alan, uh, you are familiar with the game. You know how to play And so, uh, the good news and bad news. uh, The good news is that you already won because you we only have the today to win, so you already won the prize. (laughs) And uh, the bad news is this is all hard question Monday because these questions are pretty difficult. I'm, I'm, uh, we'll see if you can get these right. But you might be able to get this right. You're a smart guy, Alan. Uh, But are you ready to jump into it?
9: I am. I know it snowed this morning in 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 up here in Canada. And uh, we, we, you know, we're kind of bracing ourselves. So I'm a little nervous because I have to shovel snow later, and I don't know if I'm ready, but I'll do my best with these questions.
4: All right, let's do it. Um, jumping in, question number one for you, Rudy. Speaking of cold, it was freezing this morning. Was it? Yeah, dude, I was like I know, shivering. Can't tell my wool. <sighs> it was like 40 degrees, man. Anyway, <laughs> so question number one for you, Rudy. Which fruit... Is mentioned the most in the Bible?
5: Yeah. So uh, if you look at the scriptures, this is apostolic tradition, by the way. Um, you notice that they talk about figs a mm. lot. They talk about figs because back then the Newton brothers, the Newton brothers, the Newton brothers, they had the most popular snack in all of Judea, which oh, were wow. fig Newton bars.
4: Oh, so oh, that those kind of are Newton.
5: the oldest snacks that we have available. Not to Isaac list. Newton now, not Isaac. You're talking about Fig Newton. Fig Newton. So, the Rudy answer is... Newton Brothers. Is figs. Figs. Okay.
4: All right, Alan. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is which fruit is mentioned the most in the Bible? Rudy says it's figs. What say you, Alan Smith, from Toronto?
9: Wow. Um, I know the apple. I thought of the apple thing... But then I thought grapes and wine and I, I enjoy my wine, <laughs> so I'm gonna go with grapes and say that Rudy is wrong.
4: With all right. Let's see. Survey says <laughs> Oh Alan. <laughs> oh man. You Today's know what?
5: Back it's pretty cool. You could, on days like this you could get them all wrong if you wanted. Yeah, There's no risk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I
9: told you, I, I got snow on my mind. I got a shovel of snow on cloudy me?
5: How are you going to get out of your house if the the snow is covering your door? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh,
9: it's it's only it's only an inch. Oh. <laughs> it's only an inch. <laughs> now, only but it's a warm up. But this is the this is the first shoveling exercise program I'm embarking on this month. So uh, November's almost over. But then December, I'm sure I'll I'll shovel snow at least twenty times.
4: Well, praise be to God. So we would love yeah. to hear the 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 exercise of those in Canada is uh shoveling snow i i personally have never shoveled snow in my life and i hope to uh, keep it that way now okay yes the answer is figs now the grapes was actually pretty good guess apples how are apples ever mentioned the bible i don't even know to be honest Mm, i don't Um, think so yeah i don't think so anyway all right alan are you ready for question number two i'm ready let's do it all right rudy here's the question who or is it whom Always get confused. Whomst? Which which one is it? Whomst? whom, who? Wait, mm-hmm. that's what the Owl says. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay, who was it that created the nativity scene? Nobody created the it. Nobody did it.
5: It's an apostolic tradition. The oh. shepherds who went and adored our Lord, they thought it was the most amazing thing. They were like, "Wow, I want to remember this forever." And you know, they didn't have photography back then. So what they did was created statues. And it became a tradition. Everybody would go and see the, you know, the neighborhood where the shepherd mm. people lived, and they were like, "Wow, this is cool. What is that?" Well, it's the nativity,
4: and that's how it came to be. No kidding. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, maybe kidding. We're gonna find out. Uh, Fifteen <laughs> seconds on the clock. Alan, is Rudy being tricky? He said, "Who created The question is, who created the nativity scene? Rudy says, "No one in particular. It was the shepherds. They came in, they saw, and they said." This is a pretty cool thing. I'm going to start building these little scenes of what I saw all over the place. And so we get the nativity scene, according to Rudy Carlos. What say you, Alan Smith?
9: Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but Rudy, you he, he's just not a great liar today. So, um, <laughs> uh, I, I know shepherds personally. I got a few shepherd friends, and they tell me, no, we don't, we're not that creative.
6: So, <laughs>
4: uh, all yeah. right, well, let's yeah. find out. Survey says... That is correct, Alan. It was not the shepherds. It was Saint Francis of Assisi. Pretty cool. I Pretty should cool. just
5: I, I should write a book of concurrent, you know, history and just pretend like I I got the sources and challenge. the popular narrative. You should, just, you the should do that. Narrative. Honestly, you
4: know, funny that would and be. And people
5: would
7: just buy
4: it. You should do that. That'd be really funny actually. <laughs> it's like a uh, Michael Knowles' book on uh, reasons to vote Democrats a comprehensive guide and it's a blank book. I can just do that. It's like the the alternative history and just have like made up stories oh, yeah. about the history. We have to make it very clear that's fake though. Copyrighted. That's there our idea. Go. We All came right. up with it right now. <laughs> Patent pending. All right. The correct answer is St. Francis. He did that back when he went to the Holy Land for the first time. Um, and he was blown away by the nativity. He was blown away by the stations and he created the Station of the Cross and the nativity scene. So there you go. All right, Alan, ready for question number three? I'm ready. Let's do it. Rudy, the question. Here we go. This, uh, if, if you, if people who know church history is an easy one, people who don't know church history, I could see this being incredibly difficult. So here's the question. For 10 centuries, the Pope's residence in Rome has been the Vatican. But before that, where did he live? So back then they had the Papal States
5: at the Mm. papal states all over the world, all over the globe, including St. Augustine, Florida.
4: St. Augustine,
5: Uh, Florida. You know, some people call it St. Augustine.
4: Mm. It's
5: actually St. Augustine. It's one of the first... Uh, one of the first, uh, what do they call those, uh, you know, uh, ha- hamlets, uh, you know, in America? Oh. Uh, what do they call mm. it? Uh, you know, pilgrims same. would go there and live there. Settlement, settlement. It was the first American Arnie? settlement colony. There we go. There we That's go. the okay. word. Thank okay. you, Adrian.
4: I was gonna get it eventually. So, you're saying St. Augustine, Florida is Saint where Augustine, they lived. Florida. All right, 15 seconds on the clock, Alan. For 10 centuries, the Pope's residence in Rome has been the Vatican. But before that, where did he live? Rudy says, St. Augustine, Florida, of course. Um, what say you, Alan Smith?
9: Well, I, I'm, you know, I love America. I really do. <laughs> you know, I'm from Canada. But... I think, you know, knowing the Pope says I don't know, they said, no, we, we we're not, we not, we like America, we don't love America, so <laughs> the answer is false. <laughs> and, and, but baseball players love Florida, but not the Vatican, um, so I'll have to say the answer's false, and um, I I don't want to, um, you know, I, I just don't want to mess up here, because I, I have so many
4: <laughs> let uh, Let's find so. out. Survey <laughs> says... Okay. Correct. Two for two, Alan, and you win the prize. We're Taylor, call your name out. There Taylor, you go. Taylor, he's not he's really there. patriotic. Cut him off. Just <laughs> the hang correct up on answer him. is the St. Lateran's Basilica. The Lateran Basilica, not St. Lateran's, the Lateran Basilica is the place where he resided before that. But you did great, Alan. Praise be to God. Bishop Sheen today, who rocks it with us every Thursday. God bless you. God love you, Alan.
9: Thank you, and we'll see you again soon.
4: Uh, I would, let's see. I stay on the line so we can get your either uh, address so we can mail you uh, the coffee cup of Divine Providence replica. But God bless you, Alan. God love you. And people, check out Bishop Sheen Today if you get a chance. BishopSheenToday.com. BishopSheenToday.com. Thank you very much, Alan, for calling in. Now, we're going to go to our after show. But remember, share a tomorrow. God bless you. God love you. And I'll see you very soon.
3: Thank you for
2: joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time
1: Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
5: For
8: various occasions, for the grace of a happy death, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is offered for all those joining us on Guadalupe Radio online and those here present.
10: I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down thy weary one, Lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad.
8: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do Let us pray. O God, who have created us in your image and willed that your Son should undergo death for our sake, grant that those who call upon you may be watchful in prayer at all times, so that we may leave this world without stain of sin and may merit to rest with joy in your merciful embrace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever.
10: Amen.
7: A reading from the beginning of the book of the prophet Daniel. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came and laid siege to Jerusalem. The Lord handed over to him Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and some vessels of the temple of God. He carried them off to the land of Shinar, and place the vessels in the temple treasury of his god. The king told Ashpenaz, his chief chamberlain, to bring in some of the children of Israel of royal blood and of nobility, young men without any defect, handsome, intelligent and wise, quick to learn and prudent in judgment, such as he such as could take their place in the king's palace. They were to be taught the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. After three years' training, they were to enter the king's service. The king allotted them a daily portion of food and wine from the royal table. Among these men of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, but Daniel was resolved not to defile himself with the king's food or wine. So he begged the chief chamberlain to spare him his defilement. Though God had given Daniel the favor and sympathy of the chief chamberlain, he nevertheless said to Daniel, "'I am afraid of my lord, the king. It is he who allotted your food and drink. If he sees that you look wretched by comparison with the other young men of your age, you will endanger my life with the king.' Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief chamberlain had put in charge of Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then see how we look in comparison with the other young men who eat from the royal table. And treat your servants according to what you see. He exceeded to this request and tested them for 10 days. After 10 days, they looked healthier and better fed than any of the young men who ate from the royal table. So the steward continued to take away the food and the wine they were to receive and give them vegetables. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and proficiency and all literature and science and to Daniel, the understanding of all visions and dreams. At the, end of time, at the end of the time, the king had specified for their preparation, the chief chamberlain brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. When the king had spoken with all of them, none was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and so they entered the king's service. In any question of wisdom or prudence which the king put to them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his kingdom. The word of the Lord. Glory and praise forever. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our fathers, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. And blessed is Your holy and glorious name, praiseworthy and exalted above all for all ages. Glory and praise forever. Blessed are You in the temple of Your holy glory, praiseworthy and glorious above all forever. Glory and praise forever. Blessed are You in the throne of Your kingdom, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. Glory and praise forever. Blessed are you who look into the depths from your throne upon the cherubim, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. Glory and praise forever. Blessed are you in the firmament of heaven, praiseworthy and glorious forever. Glory and praise forever.
10: Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
6: Hallelujah!
10: Stay awake, for you do not know when the Son of Man will come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
8: the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus looked up, he saw some wealthy people putting their offerings into the treasury, and he noticed a poor widow putting in two small coins. He said, I tell you truly, This poor widow put in more than all the rest. For those others have all made offerings from their surplus wealth, but she, from her poverty, has offered her whole livelihood. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In this last week of ordinary time, this is always a nice moment, a moment, for us to reflect on the four last things. That is death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Now there's a good statistic you can always rely upon. Ten out of ten people will die of death. Or 99.9%. You should try that in your statistics class. It always works out perfectly. But death is probably the greatest enigma that exists. Even the agnostic or the one who is an unbeliever, would honestly express that they desire to continue in being after this world. But death becomes a problem. If you ever go into Rome, there's a, a neat church, kind of a strange church, it's called the Bones Church. Everything is it's a Carthusian, used to be a Carthusian monastery, and everything, all the furniture, even the, the, the lamps and everything, they're all made out of bones, human bones. course, the brothers that had gone before them, marked with the sign of faith. But there's a nice little plaque on one of them that says, what you are, I once was. What I am, you will one day be. That puts it starkly right in front of our face. We all are going to die. Christ, when he came, even though he destroyed death, he, he didn't destroy our experience of it, although for us, it should be just simply a transition from this life to the next. But nonetheless, We all have to suffer death. It is in this uh, view that St. Ignatius would propose to his retreatants that the discerning soul would place themselves at the moment of our death or to imagine ourselves before the judgment seat. And what choice would we have made at that point? Because death has a way of making life, life decisions very simple, very simple. There are a lot of people, in fact, who are afraid of death. I remember an acquaintance of mine many years ago would not fly on a plane because she was afraid that it would would fall out of the sky. Of course, it's not the falling that's the problem. It's the hard stop at the end, right? And that perhaps the the fear that death would come. So I proposed to her, I said, well, maybe turn to Saint Joseph because Saint Joseph is the patron of a happy death. And that's what we ask for the grace in this Mass today, for a happy death. It's interesting that people who have what they call nearing death awareness, which is not the same as an after-death experience, but those who are nearing that moment when they will come, of course, to end this life here and become before Almighty God, is that, interesting that one, they do not have a fear of death. We do, especially when we're young, because we're not ready to leave yet. But they do not have a fear of death. And in fact, they begin to exhibit certain things. Perhaps they even see people that have already gone before us uh, in, in faith. Or they begin to sort of put things in order in this life, knowing that they are going to eternal life. But they do it in certain, in sometimes very strange ways, their way, their way of communicating this. I remember hearing a story of a young, young man. He was only about 14, who told his mom one day, he says, Mom, I'm going to, I'm, I have all my things arranged. Everything is in order. And he went to his room, he laid down, and he passed away. Somehow he knew. And, it, and strangely, that was his way of communicating to his mom, I'm saying goodbye. But everything is in order. Everything is right so that he could pass in peace. And that's the way we want our life to be when we come, when we come to that moment of death. What choices would we make differently right now in our life if we were going to die today? I think this is what touches upon the Gospel when you look at um, Azariah, Mishael, Zechariah, and Daniel, when they want to make sure that they, be, they would not be defiled so they became vegetarians. But anyway, they did not want to be defiled before God because they knew that, of course, they wanted their life to be holy, to be right before God. And, of course, in the Gospel, Jesus points out this poor widow. You might say Jesus puts in his two cents by pointing her out and saying, this one put in more than the others because she gave not out of her surplus wealth, but out of her livelihood, out of her need, she gave to God. And that's what we hopefully would do if we would place the moment of our death very clearly before us. Our life, as I said, becomes so simple. But may we be really, really prepared for the moment when the Lord calls us home. That really is what death is. We may not be afraid, but we ask for the grace of a happy and blessed death. Amen. Let us turn to the Lord with our prayers, dear brothers and sisters, asking that his voice will renew us and our love and our love for God and our neighbor. Let us pray for the church and for Christians everywhere that we will all put into practices, practice Jesus commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves. Let us pray to the Lord. Let us pray for those who are caught up in conflict and war. Let us pray for those who suffer persecution because of of their belief in their religion, that they will encounter understanding, tolerance, and mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray for all who exercise authority and leadership, that they may recognize that their authority is entrusted to them for the good of others, and never place unreasonable burdens on those whom they serve. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who are sick and for the dying, and for those who care for them, that Christ will bring them peace and strength. We pray, too, for all who have died, that God will bring them to eternal life. Let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves, that as we see the face of Christ in our neighbors, respond generously to those in need, maybe we, maybe we be reminded to ask for that grace for a happy death when we come to the Lord, before the Lord, uh, full of the generosity he himself has shown us. Let us pray to the Lord. God our Father, you are our strength and our protection. Open our hearts to your grace, that we may always know and do your will, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine a work of human hands will become our spiritual drink.
10: Blessed be God
8: forever. Pray, Dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. As you have destroyed our death, O Lord, by the death of your only begotten Son, grant, we pray, through the power of the same mystery, that obeying your will, even until death, we may go forth from this world in peace and trust, and by your gift be made sharers in his resurrection, who lives and reigns forever and ever.
10: The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. His death we celebrate in love, His resurrection we confess with living faith, and His coming in glory we await with unwavering hope. And so with all the angels and saints we praise you As without end we acclaim Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts Heaven and earth are full of your glory Hosanna in the highest Blessed is he All glory and honor is yours, forever and ever. Amen.
8: At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
10: Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei,
8: Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to stand before the Son of Man.
7: For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion.
10: O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, All praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine, Be every moment thine.
8: let us pray. Having received the pledge of immortality through these mysteries, O Lord, we humbly entreat your fatherly help for the moment when we depart in death so that overcoming the snares of the enemy we may be restored to life in the embrace of your eternal glory through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God.
10: Hail, holy queen, enthroned above. O oh.
4: St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.